a Podcast One production. G'day, welcome to Be A Man. Doc, how are you? Yeah, I'm really good, mate. How are you? Mate, I'm very well. Health and body image is this episode, and we're going to have a wonderful guest in a moment. He's a friend to all of us and an absolute champion rugby league player. His name's Adam McDougall. We'll get to Adam in a moment, but for me, body image has always been a bit of an issue because my, um, my image of my body is not a good one, you know, and I think probably I, I'm even more positive about life and stuff because I'm sort of trying to get over the fact that I, I want to change it all the time. Yeah, look, it's a really interesting one. My background is in clinical psychology and many, many years ago, several decades ago, in fact, I spent just a brief amount of time filling in on an eating disorders unit. And in those days, um, not surprisingly, it was all young girls, all young girls. When we studied eating disorders, anorexia, bulimia, body image was all about women. Uh, and that's still a significant problem for girls and women. But what's been interesting and I suppose sad in a way, is to see in recent years the massive increase in boys and young men starting to experience issues around body image, around size, um, uh, in a different sort of way. But just as distressing. So yeah, look, I think it's something that affects all of us in different ways. And not surprisingly, it's linked to our health and well-being generally and our mental health as well. I did the Man Up show, as you know, on the ABC. And one of the bits that I did was nude yoga. And I always wondered why we were doing it. In fact, they didn't tell me what I was doing until I turned up. And then I noticed I was at a yoga place and then I didn't realise there was going to be just men and just yoga. So I was sort of sitting there trying to work it out, but I sort of went with it as you do in those sort of things. And my personality is more trusting than anything else. But after I spoke to the blokes after, why they wanted to do nude yoga is that they felt that if you just strip yourself down to absolutely nothing, it takes away anyone having the money to have the best possible gear to do yoga in or the best possible pair of shoes or whatever it might be. It was just basic, it was raw, and it just made them feel a bit sort of more natural and it didn't give a, another bloke an advantage. Mm. Yeah, look, I saw that episode and I'm, I'm still recovering actually, yeah. so I'm still in therapy. Sorry uh, about that. But uh, it's uh, no, look, it is an interesting idea. I guess the premise kind of is if we can feel comfortable absolutely stripped bare, as you said, um, which we should in a way. I mean, we should be able to, then we can feel comfortable anywhere and any time. You know, that'd be a goal for most of us, I suppose, to feel comfortable in our bodies for what they are. Yeah, well, a lot to discuss. And let's go to our special guest right now. He's a former professional rugby league player, represented his country, his state, won a couple of comps with the NRL side, the Newcastle Knights, the first one back in 97, an absolute ripper. Adam has obtained an MBA and Bachelor of Economics, He's got so many certificates, I can hardly go through. It's going to take us all day, but he aims to help Aussie men get fit and healthy through his nutrition product, The Man Shake. He got into the industry when his best mate passed away from a heart attack, and we'll talk about that now. Dugs, how are you? Welcome to the podcast, Be A Man. Always great to catch up, uh, Gus, and last time we caught up was in Hawaii, which is uh, a great place and always brings back happy memories. Yeah, it certainly did. We had a wonderful time. We probably didn't look after our bodies that well that <laughs> night we were in Waikiki, but there you go. Um, I mentioned it in the start of the program, um, Dugs, and we appreciate you taking us somewhere which is, you know, so personal, but you got into the industry after your best mate passed away from a heart attack. Can you take us back there? Can you explain that to us? Yeah, look, my life uh, took a pretty big turn pretty quickly. I was um, pretty happy just uh, being a goose on TV, getting paid, you know, not too bad to put my ugly melon on there and talk about something I love, which was football. I was working with a lot of high-performing elite athletes and CEOs in different industries, um, trying to optimize their health and wellness and uh, performance. And uh, all of a sudden, 
overnight, my focus shifted very quickly. Um, my best mate was overweight, um, like most of us. His focus and priorities were upside down. He was focused on materialistic wealth. He had a young family, had three beautiful young girls under the age of six, but he was putting his work first. You know, he was really driving hard to, you know, get the nice house, get the big car, go on the big holidays. Um, and as a result, you know, his health was suffering and his waistline was growing pretty quickly. So his wife approached me and said, look, you know, I'm really, really worried about my husband. Is there some way you might be able to tap him on the shoulder and say, look, you need to pull your head in. As blokes, we all know that we don't sit around at the pub and say, does my ass look big in these jeans? Uh, you don't ship your mate, you know. Having a beer belly was something that us Aussie blokes wore with pride. It was something that blokes were proud of. Um, not so much these days. It was pretty hard. So I thought, well, what's the easiest way to tap into psychology, make a bet, put a wager on it. We now know that the best way to get a bloke engaged in something is betting on it. So I bet my mate, ironically, that um, if he lost five kilos within a month, I would shout him a nice dinner at Aria. And if he lost, he'd shout me. So um, he said, all right, on the one condition, he goes, I get to go on my Christmas break. And when I come back after Australia, I'll start the diet. And I said, beautiful. So I was sitting at home. It was the uh, 26th of January. It was 10 o'clock at night. The phone rang. Um, and my mate Dennis's name popped up on the phone. Um, and I always loved getting his phone call because we've all got one of them mates that can tell you great stories. If you had a bad day, if somehow, you know, something crazy in his life happened, he took his kids bowling, for example, at a, a five-year-old's birthday party and his kid ran down the lane, he chased him, fell, broke his arm. You know, <laughs> he always had these great stories. So when the phone rang at 10 o'clock at night, I was, wow, something funny must have happened. So as I've picked it up, uh, there was an eerie silence on the other end of the phone and straight away I sensed that something wasn't quite right and it was his dad's voice on the other end of the phone and his dad had a strong Croatian accent and he said, uh, Dennis is dead and started crying, hung up and I was, I just couldn't believe it. You know, he's 42 years of age, you know, yeah, he was a little bit overweight, but you know, nobody speaks about blokes dropping dead of heart attacks at 40. No. Um, but then when you look at the statistics, which alarmed him when I started to look into it, uh, one person every 13 minutes in this country suffers a heart attack. So... I was just knocked to the ground and I went to Sydney that night. I went down and seen his wife, uh, beautiful three young daughters under the age of six, as I touched upon. They were just devastated. And they said that the most ironic thing about it was that he'd started to try to lose weight. And Gus will touch upon it in this chat today is that he was confused. He didn't know where to start. It was all so hard. It was, he felt worthless because he was failing, um, but he didn't realize the system was rigged. It was working against him. A product he was actually taking was a weight loss shake and it had 30 grams of sugar. And its main form of sugar was fructose, which we now call as fatty liver. So this poor bloke, his wife would say, would down one of these diet shakes and five minutes later, he was ripping the fridge door off because his blood sugar levels were obviously plummeting and he was craving more sugar. Mm. So he was a product that was setting him up to fail. And I just couldn't believe that the labeling laws in this country were allowing us to be lied to. You know, 80% of the products in supermarket shelves are packed full of sugar. And we walk in there trying to do the right thing. We're being conditioned to believe that the food pyramid, which we now is a fake food system based on Professor Ansel Keys, who lied about his research findings, isn't the way we should be eating. You walk in, there's 80% of the products as I touched upon have got sugar in them, yet they're promoted as being healthy through bullshit words like organic, healthy, lower in fat, lower in sugar than what? Natural. So the average punter's going in natural, you know, going in, having on average 23 teaspoons of sugar by eating the recommended daily Aussie breakfast of cereal, orange juice, toast, and yogurt. You know, they're just pouring sugar down their gobs, thinking they're doing the right thing and then beating themselves up saying, I'm worthless, I'm crap because I'm failing, but they don't realize it's not their fault. So my wife said to me, you know, it's very sad what's happened. Why don't you do something about it? And I said, well, what can I do about it? And she said, well, you can design a product or you can get out there and start educating people. So 
that's you, what I've you done. Did, and you did both. Yeah. yeah, Tony Abbott was a real catalyst in this. He probably won't recall the moment, but I was a representative for the NRL, Eat Well, Play Well, Stay Well, and I went to a health summit involving kids. The major sponsor, and you know, I hope I don't get anyone in trouble from your show, but I'll say it, was Sanitarium. Good old up and go. And um, I turned around and I said, mate, what a joke. You've got these companies promoting to our kids all this health and wellness. I said, you flip over one of these drinks and it's got more sugar than a chocolate bar. I said, why don't they just go and eat a bloody chocolate bar and be happy? Um, sure, that would have gone down said, well. Uh, yeah, and he said to me, Adam, that's great that you've got this passion for this. He said, but like most people, you can talk it or you can walk it. And I went home with my tail between my legs. I said, what about that asshole? And my wife went, well, he's got a bloody good point, hasn't he? <laughs> so she said, either put up or shut up. And so, you know, thanks to him and thanks to my wife, this is the path I've chosen now. And I set out just to improve the lives of just one single person. I didn't want to see this happen again to anybody else because I've seen the devastation that it left. And, you know, I'm proud to say, you know, like you guys, every single, you know, day we're touching more and more people with this messaging and educating and inspiring them to be empowered to make better choices themselves. Oh, good stuff. It's, uh, I think there's lots of people out there who are glad you made that decision. Yeah, absolutely, Dukes. And your life has been too, in terms of when I look at you, you're obviously a hero out on the rugby league field, but now you're doing such wonderful work away from it. Could you have done one without the other? No, look, I think I've been very blessed to obviously have been afforded the opportunity to play sport at the highest level and been exposed to some of the greatest minds when it comes to health and fitness. And, um, you know, it's ironic, I suppose, when you're an athlete, you're not very healthy with a lot of your behaviours. You know, I look back at, on average, I was probably eating nearly half a kilo of sugar a day, um, you know, just to fuel our bodies and whatnot. And, and running into another human being, it's like a small car accident every time. So it's not particularly healthy, but um, as I say in the world of sports, if you want abnormal results, you look for abnormal people and uh, certainly plenty of them involved in sports so look it taught Especially me what your to Newcastle do Knights team, bloody <laughs> yeah. hell. oh some weirdos there I tell you. <laughs> so um yeah, yeah it taught me a lot about what to do and what not to do with health and fitness they're getting afforded the opportunity to rub shoulders with some of the best doctors and whatnot in the world because it's big money sport so it's all about performance and optimizing your performance and and I think the key here is obviously going to uni for nearly 17 years and studying a million things uh, which most of them were useless um it did teach me there was a big disconnect between you know, I suppose what you're taught from a learning perspective and then the application of science. You know, being a health hacker is what I'm passionate about now and I applaud people to go out and, you know, try and take control of their own life and experiment on themselves and see what works for them. What, what did you learn from footy that doesn't apply in the real world or what, what, some, what are some of the things you did as an athlete that don't really work you know, outside of the field? And uh, what have you learned particularly psychologically as a championship winner and as a great player who represented your country that you can now apply or help other people apply out in the real world? Yeah, I think firstly, the biggest thing that I learned was that the most important muscle in your whole body is the one that lies between your ears. It's the mind. So it's the most important thing that we've got. And, um, you know, we're going to all face setbacks in our lives and we're all going to have bad times and whatnot. But, um, you know, it's really the way that you view life and the way that you view life is really a choice. And that comes from really conditioning the muscle between your ears and that's um, your mind. So I found that the mind is an amazing thing and we can do, do anything that we really want to if we apply our minds to it. So that was probably the most powerful lesson that I learned. And just how resilient we are as people as well. You know, I had on last count, I've had 28 operations, <laughs> nine on one knee. Um, I remember when I did my knee in 2002, doctors said I'd never play again. I'd be lucky to walk. You know, I went on to play the highest level to nearly 37 years of age. So I played for another 10 years and probably shouldn't have done that medically, but, you know, I, I found a way to really um, condition my brain to believe that it was achievable. And then I suppose for the general population, I just found that a lot of the things that are being handed down in the world of health and fitness and um, sports science are really for them elite populations and they don't apply to the average person. They don't really consider 
what it's like to be busy, what it's like to be time poor, what it's like to have kids, a mortgage, not to really have your, your key motivation to perform, you know, 100 metres in 10 seconds. That's not what people are about. So a lot of the information that's been handed down to the general population from the elite is really unspecific and unrealistic for most people. So take with a grain of salt what you see a lot of athletes do. And you know, all you have to do is turn on some of these TV shows in the past, like The Biggest Loser or some of these shows and see how they actually try to get results. And they're not really applicable. And I always say that, uh, you know, simplicity is genius. You look at Apple, it's the most successful company in modern times. And Steve Jobs, speaking to his marketing people, the one thing they focused on was being simple. And that's what we need to do when it comes to our health and wellness. I just want to pick up on something said there, which is about how, you know, for, for elite athletes, I guess the motivation is quite obvious. They want to run fast. They want to be strong. They want to win a game, I guess. But for most of us average people, exercising, it doesn't mean the same thing. I mean, you know, I go to the gym regularly, but I'm not trying to win a comp or whatever. For the people that you interact with now, what are some of the motivations? You know, I studied anthropology at university. It was quite fascinating just looking at how we've evolved as human beings and why we're in the predicament we are today is because our lifestyles are so different to what our DNA has been shaped to be, which is one that is being shaped to conserve energy. That's the most interesting thing. And I feel so sorry for people that exercise isn't something that we want to do because back in the days when we were evolving, Dave the Caveman, calories in and calories out, it was all about survival. So we wanted to conserve energy. So we're not motivated to move. We're actually motivated to conserve energy to survive. And we're motivated to overeat when we have food. So I feel sorry for people that feel that they're lazy and useless and, you know, they lack willpower. But the reality is it's our DNA working against us just to survive. And that's how we've been wired. So we're trying to trick ourselves into navigating through this environment now that we live in, which is so foreign to what we've been built around, which is the fact that don't move because if you burn calories, <laughs> you have to find more calories, which were hard to find back in the day. Now you've got McDonald's on every second corner, fast foods and all these great temptations. And to make matters worse, you've got doctors and scientists working in the food industry trying to hijack our brains by mixing the taste of sugar and fat. So what I say to people is don't beat yourself up. And firstly, don't go team extreme. I think that's the biggest mistake that most people make with anything that they do that, uh, as I said, they might look at someone on social media and they might see their Instagram account and go, wow, look at that guy. He's got this great set of abs. He's eating no carbohydrates. That's what I'm going to do. But people don't realize this guy not eating the carbohydrates. What does he look like when he's not on social media? What's his life like when he's not on social media? That's all he's bloody well doing mm. is, you know, eating chicken breasts and broccoli where you've got free kids paying off a mortgage in the Western suburbs, working shift work. You can't not eat carbohydrates. So I really applaud people just to take a sensible approach. And that's probably the key. I like that. And my Instagram account, I'll give you a dress later to all my nude shots and so forth you can check out. Um, you spoke about the most important muscle in the body, you know, to train, if you like, is the one between your two ears. And for someone like me who has gone from like 85 kilos at school to 145 in 2014 before I ran the marathon, now I'm back around about 120. So I go up and down like a yo-yo. I struggle with it all the time. I do struggle at times if my head's not switched on, I drop the ball in a huge way. But if my head is set, I can go weeks or months where I'm just on fire and I go, this is the way I want to lead my life. There's no way I'm ever going to go back to the old bad ways. But before I know it, I'll put 10 kilos on. Again, heaps of blokes listening would be more likely to be me than the doc or your good self here, Mad Dog. What can you say to us blokes to try to get ourselves to be a bit more consistent in making better choices? Well, firstly, you know, 
be a little bit kinder to yourself as well and don't be so hard on yourself. As I touched upon before, you know, that's the biggest thing is that um, we're so hard on ourselves. We need to show more compassion and understand that we aren't perfect. And, you know, it's very important. We're continually judging ourselves and this feeds back into the fight or flight response, which produces cortisol and works against us to get the result we want. And as an economist, my basic premise is always looking at how do we get the biggest return on our investment of time and energy. And um, the 80-20 rule I apply to everything. So focus on the things you know are going to get you 80% of the results with 20% of the inputs. That's the key. Focus on the big things. You know, people major in the minors too much when it comes to their health and fitness. They go team extreme, try to, you know, do everything at once. Oh, I'm not going to drink alcohol. I'm not going to eat that food. And what ends up happening is we fail. And then when we fail, we lose momentum. And, you know, the key to success in life is taking small steps that will obviously give you confidence, that will give you momentum, and then build on that. That's the key. People underestimate what little things add up so quickly when it comes to health and fitness. Just little things like going for a walk, you know, just moving, building movement into your day, being conscious of just writing down what you eat. There's all these little small hacks you can do, you know, drinking water. There's so many great little things that you can do that people overlook and just go from one extreme to the other and hence why they fail. So that's probably the biggest tip that I'd say to people is just start off small and be consistent. Consistency is key. You know, if you improve yourself 1% every day over 365 days of the year, that's a massive result. But what we tend to want to do is go from zero to 100 miles an hour. I'll use the analogy. It's like when you get a flat tire in your car, you don't get out then slash the other three tires, but that's what we do with our health. We have one bad day, throw our hands up and go, stuff it. I'm just going to get on the drink now. I'm just going to eat that hamburger. And um, we just go from one extreme to the other. And that, that's where, you know, health is all about consistency. Couldn't agree more. With everything you it's said. It's a good analogy, um, though, isn't it, about the slash tires? Uh, it's really well, it's, a, it's, it's what psychologists, we call black and white thinking. So, you know, okay. something goes wrong, everything's bad or catastrophizing. It's like I said, I'm not going to have a drink until my son's 18th. So the other day, I played cricket for the first time in this charity match and everyone's having beers afterwards and I go, no, no, and I'm really strong and I get in the car and I'm really strong. I get home and my wife just looks, how'd the career go? And she's drinking a glass yeah. of wine. I went, without even hesitating, went straight to the back <laughs> fridge, I opened up a beer. Because I said, I've already said no once here. I'm not going to say no to have a nice time with my wife at home. And then I've drunk every day since. So what is well, that? What is wrong with me? Am I a crazy man, doctor? No, this is actually, this is, uh, Adam has said, this is a really common problem. Someone feels like something sweet, they have a Tim Tam, then before they know it, they had the whole pack. What we need to do is be able to say, okay, I can have one Tim Tam, I can have one beer, but not necessarily get rid of the whole program. Mm. And I think it comes down, I want to go back to something Adam said earlier about why are we actually doing this? Why should we be engaging in healthy behaviours like exercise? Because it shouldn't be about the six pack. Those guys and all those girls that we see on Instagram are they're freaks. They're abnormal. You know, they're the 0.0001% and the lives they live are not necessarily lives that most of us want to live. So, mm. you know, I've said before, I go to the gym regularly, not so much for the physical benefits, but the psychological benefits. So the people that you're seeing, you know, what are some of the benefits they'll get that aren't just about appearance? Yeah, look, there's so many and I'm a big believer that you can't out-exercise or out uh, run a bad diet. You know, this is the biggest mistake that most people make is they think that the secret lies in exercising. You know, my dad, God bless his soul, always used to say that he trained to drink and uh, that was his little <laughs> reward. So that's great because we now know the social benefits of bonding and rewarding yourself. But um, I think that's the biggest mistake that most people make when it comes to exercise is they think that that's going to get them the result solely. And health's so much about the holistic approach. If I had to put weight loss and general health and wellbeing into sort of a priority list, for me, diet's number one and sleep's second. And that, that's the thing that a lot of people don't do. And conditioning yourself via exercise will help with sleep. Getting out early in the morning, exposing your body circadiac rhythms and natural body clock to sun early in the morning. I'm um, obviously trying to minimize light late at night, particularly with mobile phones and whatnot, is really important when it comes to sleep. And exercise will induce sleep as well because it obviously um, resets the body clock. So 
for me, the focus has got to be on your diet and loving your gut. Um, you know, people haven't realised the importance of diet when it comes to general mental health as well as physical health. Um, but with exercise, we know, you know, for example, particularly if people are out there struggling, exercise has so many benefits, particularly when it comes to the sense of fulfilment, uh, sense of self-esteem. Like it doesn't need to be extreme either. It can be something as simple as just going for a walk because when we are struggling mentally or emotionally with our self-esteem and self-worth, setting ourselves too lofty a goal when it comes to health and fitness is only setting ourselves up for more failure. This is very important. So being able to pat yourself on the back and feel like you've got some sense of worth is what exercise can do for you. Exercise releases endorphins, which obviously are really important for promoting a sense of well-being. The list goes on and on. Builds our immune system, which we now know is connected to our mental health as well. You know, there's so many benefits to exercise that I think that people are only looking at the external effects of exercise, whereas they should be looking at the holistic effects of exercise, how it affects their mood, how it affects their sleep patterns, how it affects their, their hunger as well, because we now know that certain types of exercise will actually stop a lot of them bad cravings, Gussie, so you, you won't be craving the Tim Tam in the middle of the night. There's so many rewards to exercise that are underestimated apart from the physical side of it as well. It's super confusing. If you go to the bookstore now, or you go online and you listen to podcasts, your one also do because there's so many people saying this will work, this will work, this will work, get your abs, get you this, get you that. At what stage will is there going to be a book where everyone can sort of go, yes, this is the way to do it? Or is it complicated because I have a different need to the doc or the doc has a different need to you, Dukes? You know what I mean? It is confusing for someone to go, right, I want to find a plan that's going to work for me. Well, I always say all diets work. And, you know, the best diet is the awareness diet. So what diets do firstly is they bring you more awareness and more presence in what you're actually doing on a daily basis. And, you know, we now know that over 40% of our behaviors are subconscious. So that's where habits become so important. That's what diets do is they allow us to focus on the current behaviors that we have in habits. So, you know, all diets work to a point. And the key point is, and you touched upon it, Gussie, is, and we're now realizing now of DNA testing, an amazing study just occurred in Israel um, involving two twins where they ate the same foods and they had a totally different insulin response um, to these foods. One twin actually had a massive spike in blood sugar levels as a result of eating a banana, which is perceived as healthy, whereas the other twin actually had a huge insulin response to the cookie. So two identical twins can have such a different working in their own bodies, it just shows that we're so different. So this is where I think health and fitness is going that, you know, with all this personalized, individualized testing, we are realizing, and this is what my podcast is about as a health hacker, is that we are all different and you have to go out and try things. But the key is just being aware of trying new things. That's the most important thing. So all diets are going to work um, to a point, but I always say the best diet is the one that you can stick to, the most practical, and the best exercise is the exercise you do. So find things that you love, find foods that you enjoy to eat. And, you know, that's where the key really lies in all of this is consistency and and being practical. What about the gym? Literally, I sat at the gym the other day, and I'm very fortunate. We've got some great grill team listeners, the show I do on Triple M in Sydney on breakfast, who would love to have me in their gym. So they offer me memberships, right? And I say, thank you very much. And I go, and there's some really cool ones. I have to wait for someone else to use a bit of equipment to know whether I should sit forward or sit back or whether it's for my back or it's whether for my legs. It's actually quite embarrassing. And it's actually, if even for someone who's confident like me, it knocks me for six. And I do go into gym sometimes and I make a bit of an excuse or grab my phone and I walk out and I'm actually anxious and a little sad that I can't get my shit together, you know what I mean? I, I should be in there doing that. I've made the effort to get there, but just the equipment is a little sort of confusing. 
it is, and it can be quite overwhelming. And um, you know, I still remember the first time I started going to the gym seriously many years ago. And it's that, especially these days, some of the equipment looks so confusing you don't even know what to do. It but, looks like the bloody space shuttle. But I, I got, <laughs> that's why I got a personal trainer. Um, you know, there are okay. experts out there, and I would highly recommend it. Well, first I'd say again, the gym is not for everyone. There are lots of other ways you can exercise and keep fit and healthy that don't involve going to the gym. But yeah. for me, I like it for various reasons. And what was extremely helpful was to get an expert, so who I still see every week. What's her um, name? <laughs> it's a him. Oh, okay, mate. Him. Okay. Yeah. Just ask. But, um, but no, that is helpful to make sure I'm doing it right. I mean, I don't need as much guidance anymore, but you know, to have people like Adam out there telling people what to do, showing people what to do, because it is important. I mean, if you get it wrong and injure yourself, that's not going to help anyone. But coming back to, um, you know, I guess we've got a guest here, Gus. We should probably should talk to him yeah, as well. Sure, no, yeah, sure. No, but Dukes is happy. Like, yeah, don't, <laughs> don't, don't, feel, don't feel bad, Gus, because I'm not a big fan of, of gyms in the sense that um, they're not for everyone. And, you know, whilst they're, they're promoting health and wellness, it's great. But, you know, if you look at the gym model as such and being involved in gyms in the past, my dad owned a gym, you know, you basically sign up all these people and you hope that 90% of them don't turn up, which is what happens. <laughs> okay. um, because, you know, the human, the human mindset isn't complying to want to do exercise. So I'd hate to be there the day that um, everyone turns up yeah. to the gym. So they oversell these memberships knowing that people aren't going to turn up. So okay. it's quite a smart business model, but for them, 10% of people that they do work for, it's fantastic. So we're not here to kick the crapper out of gyms. But no. Like I said, going back once again is, and you know, uh, Tim spoke about it, is finding the things that you like. And I think the ability just to move, you know, when you look at the statistics about just walking for 30 minutes a day can, you know, decrease, you know, rates of depression by up to 27% in one study. Now, you've got to always take studies with a grain of salt. That's what I do for a living is research medical studies. But it just shows you the power of something as simple as just walking. Getting out in the sunlight, for example, will give you vitamin D, which we now know is so important for our mental health. So, you know, I applaud people to go back to nature. We're, we've done some research recently about the ability of healing around nature, which is greenery in operation facilities after someone's had an operation they were put into a ward and one of the wards had a view looking out into nature one had no view and the other one had plants in it and the rates of healing with the people that were exposed to nature and had a view on nature was significantly greater than people that were put in this dull room so we now know the connection between our human spirit and our human biology with getting outdoors getting into the sun so that's what i applaud people to do the best gym you've got your body it's available 24 hours a day just getting down and up off the ground, doing some push-ups, squatting up oh, and down. Easy. So many easy things you can do, Gus, you know, to actually, well, you know, use I've got your body. This, I've got this watch on at the moment, this Apple Watch, and it's told me I've done 235 calories today, moving calories, because I've been up, obviously, in the brekkie show. Three minutes of actual activity, so I'm not, not sure where that's happening. <laughs> and, and four hours so far, I've been standing for more than 30 minutes out of a 60-minute bit. So I'm about to go to Manly and do my walk. I do a minimum 30 minutes and stuff. And then I just sit there and go, you know, what can I eat now? because I've done that. You know, I mean, that's a bad mentality to have, isn't it? That's yeah. a fantastic thing. You know, Gus has regular walks with his mates, um, which combines two or three or four fantastic elements of health and fitness. So you're walking. That's a form of exercise. You're with your mates. That social connection, the relationships is a mm. vital part of our mental health. You're outdoors, as Adam just said, the benefits of that. So you're getting all of that together and that's why you don't need a gym. I never feel better than when I come back on a Sunday morning from those walks. And all the connection during the week saying, what time are we yeah. going to meet? who's in, you know, that we've got a WhatsApp group and it just connects everyone yeah. in. And I spoke to one of my mates about it. He said, I've had a bit of, bit of a tough time, but I've come through it. And we call ourselves the um, non-stop jibber because we never stop talking. <laughs> um, he said, because of the non-stop jibber group, 
I feel like I can say absolutely anything now and I'm going to get an honest response. And we're so full of bullshit in this society of ours. It's lovely to get a bit of frank talking with real yeah. mates. Whether you like it or not, at least you, you get the truth. That's the most important thing with happiness. We now know that, you know, it's social connection, the ability to love and obviously give love back is the most important thing. And part of our evolutionary survival, we had to be part of a tribe. The reason was because if you were exposed and you weren't part of a tribe, you wouldn't survive. So that's where buddying up so important with exercise, you know, statistics show time and time again and research that you're less inclined to let somebody else down, not just yourself if you buddy up. Um, and that sense of community is just so important. And we're built about that connection. You talk about, you know, the hierarchy of needs and Maslow's needs needs and basic needs, water, food, whatever, but still the king of our needs is that connection with other people. And I think that's very important. And social media is so unhumanized now, you know, it's not that same. We now know that it's not that real connection that we're craving. It's uh, fake, isn't it's it? A, it's a fake connection. And mm. that's where people might have a hundred thousand followers on Facebook, but I can tell you, you know what, I know a lot of these people and they're not particularly happy because they don't have that connection with real people. Yeah. And that comes back to the mental health stuff, the man up stuff. You know, at the end of that was man up, speak up, you know, speak yep. about your feelings. Showing a bit of vulnerability is actually a really great thing. And, and, and we spoke to a lot of ladies through the man up thing and they loved their men and thought their men were really masculine and really awesome when they were honest about how they truly felt. So all that sort of, you know, the, uh, what's the right word? The, um, stereotype that we're trying to fight in this, in this country um, it's, and it's a bit bullshit. It's a bit hard to sort of deal with that and it's very hard to live up to that. Um, solo man or Malro man or even you rugby league yeah. players. Like, you know, that's why it's important for blokes like yourself to be talking about it because you've played the toughest game in the world but now you're talking about vulnerability and feelings. That's what the key is. Yeah, and look, it's more common than uncommon, isn't it? People suffering from mental health or or struggling on a daily basis. You know, the World Health Organization has said it's, it's the biggest illness facing the world currently is mental health. So, you know, when you look at the statistics, one in five, you know, people will um, suffer from depression at some stage or one in two people will be affected by mental health issues on some level. So, you know, it's an epidemic that's facing our society. And, you know, I believe it, it's based on our lifestyles largely and, um, you know, our disconnect with how we've been evolved as a human species. Um, and it, it's our environment that's working against us. So people like yourself speaking up about it and then hopefully people like myself trying to hack in and, and show people how to navigate through this foreign environment that we currently face and um, we can give some people some information to deal with it a lot better than what they are now there's a, a gus picked touch on a really important issue which I'd, I'd like to ask you so you know said there's a lot of people that look up to uh professional athletes you know a lot of a lot of young kids you know i've got a, i've got a teenage son who look up to whether it's footy players or cricketers or whoever it might be and and they do that in a couple of ways they look up to them physically and say i want you know i want to have a body like that and we've touched a bit on that but also just they want to be that sort of hero um what would you say to those kids about you know about what a real man is in comparison to what it might look like on social media or on tv yeah, look, that's a great question. And, you know, I can speak firsthand. A lot of my mates who play at the highest level when, when they finished their careers struggled emotionally, mentally. Um, you know, when the, the final siren goes, I don't think people realize, but you lose your whole sense of identity, your whole sense of worth. You know, you've, you've gone from, you know, being, I always say, you know, coming out of school where, you know, you were told what to do, what time you could eat, what uniform to wear, and you go into a system that does exactly the same thing. As a grown man, you're shown 
you know, you don't have to think for yourself. You know, you get off an aeroplane, someone picks up your bag, you wear the same uniforms, you eat at the same time. You know, it's very structured. And all of a sudden, the, the final siren goes, and all of a sudden, it's all gone. And, you know, who am I now? My whole sense of identity and self worth is gone. So, you know, every single footballer who retires has some battle. Uh, with their identity and their self-worth and, you know, mental health at some stage because, you know, it's such a shifting landscape for them. So, you know, my advice to young people is the fact that these guys are just human as well. They're going to have their good days. They're going to have their bad days. They're no better or any worse than what you are. I, I think at the end of the day, it all comes back to being able to look yourself in the mirror. And, um, you know, that that's what, you know, athletes have got this great ability to do is they have to hold themselves accountable on a daily basis, you know, because you've got to continually grow. You've got to continually strive to be better because if you don't, you're going to fall out the other end and you're not going to be a professional athlete for very long. So, you know, one lesson people can take from professional athletes is their ability to basically try to be better every single day in some small way. And I touched upon it as well. And don't underestimate the most important muscle, which is the one between your ears. So, mm. you know, you know, and, and, and developing them habits, you know, we're all so different. Gus spoke upon it. He knows what fuels his fire. He knows going for his walk, talking with his mates is important. And that's what athletes have got a great ability to do. They, they build these things called rituals, superstitions, because they know these things work for them. And, you know, any single person that's out there can start to build these little superstitions and rituals into their daily life themselves. Can you give us um, an example you know, of that, mate? Like what, what would a ritual or what? Do you write it up? Someone, someone told me to put write it up on the, on your mirror. You know, so when you wake up in the morning, you go to the loo, have your shower. You know, your little rituals there. Is that what you mean? Like, is it like? Yeah, a little look, you phrase? know, for example, having goals are really important. I think for anybody, you know, having them goals are, are huge, and you know, breaking them goals down in, into smart goals. You know, small, you know, measurable, achievable, realistic, um, and time constricted goals is really, really important for people. But not, not, not trying to eat the whale all at once, Gus. And that's where people get stressed. You know, I could get up in the morning and go, I've got fifty odd employees. How am I going to do this? Whereas if I get up in the morning and just say, I'm just going to focus on this one small task and you know it's a bite-sized task well then that gives me confidence a small win we know psychologically and tim was probably spoken about this before it's all about the small wins yeah, that's what gives you motivation. That's what gives you momentum. So as athletes, when we focus on, on performance, we focus on the process, not on the outcome. So we don't go out into the football field and go, okay, in 80 minutes time, we're going to win this game. All we focus on is just running as hard as we can, getting a quick play of the ball the first time we touch the ball or making sure we get our foot in nice and close when we go to make the first tackle. You know, it's all about focusing on these small process goals, which will then give us the big result. So, you know, setting goals, yes, is very important, but setting sensible goals and goals that are based around routine is very important. Um, and you talk about routines. Well, we, we know as athletes, you know, setting them little wins up that are going to give us that motivation. So, for example, we don't think about, um, you know, our performance. Firstly, we know that we have to hydrate before we go out and perform. So it's having all these little process goals which add up to results, which is what we focus on. Well, it's wonderful talking to you. You can talk to you absolutely all day. And, of course, you've got your own, you've got your own podcast. So just give that a plug, mate, before we, uh, we let you go. Oh, look, it's the health hacker and, um, you know, I get to spend time with lots of smart people like yourself um, being afforded now to, to write a couple of books on health and wellness. I remember when I went to write my first book uh, about five years ago with Penguin, um, I wanted to write a whole chapter on gut health and I said that the gut is the second brain and the legal department at Penguin said I was a fruit loop. Um, but where there's smoke, there's fire. I always say, you know, my ability of spending 17 years at university, one thing it did teach me to do is how to read research and see the bullshit through the truth. And uh, there's a lot of bullshit out there, food companies paying big money to find and produce studies that will get them the results they want. So my job as a health hacker is to go and look at all the, you know, the, the information that's out there, see which has got substance, which doesn't, speak to the experts, and basically in 20 or 30 minutes, try to hack into their brains and obtain the gold that's sitting in there 
um, and extract it out in general dumb people speak so I can understand it, they can understand it, and we can apply these lessons to our own lives to live our best possible lives. That's Dude, what it's all about. Absolute pleasure, mate, on, <laughs> on, on our behalf. Thank you for taking the time to come into the New York uh, the New York studio. I bet you wish it was. It was a Newcastle <laughs> studio. Be a man, health and body image with Adam McDougall. Thanks for your time, mate. Thank you. I just want to recognize you guys for the great work you're doing and, um, you know, you're changing people's lives and you're allowing people to come out and, you know, really deal with some important issues. Good on you, mate. Cheers. Thanks. That was just such a wonderful interview with Adam and there's just so much to go through and I hope that our listeners got a lot out of it. How can we motivate ourselves to move more? That tends to be no real drama the first couple of times because you're all pumped and but when things get a little bit hard how do we just keep that motivation up yeah well i think that that's the key word is motivation we all know what to do but many of us don't know why we're doing it and that why is vitally important because it's going to get us going it's going to get us through the tough days and it's got to be more as adam touched on earlier than just having a six pack i mean that's just not enough so the why's got to be about all the benefits we can get from exercising which will differ for different people but you know it's about the mental health one of the I'm main motivator so I can get out and play with my kids, for example. We so you're, to... you're doing it to keep yourself healthy so you can then run around with your kids so you're not that dad that's sort of puffing or going, oh, I have to sit down here. Is that what you mean when well, playing with your kids? Yeah, look, it's part of it, although my kids are a bit older now so they don't want to play with me. But it's, about, <laughs> it's important we don't just exercise for exercise sake. I exercise so I can live a life. So I exercise, I've got the energy and the strength to get out there in the real world and do what I want to do. That's my why. But everyone's got to find a why or else they'll give up really quickly. They also need to, and I really loved what Adam said, you know, you've got to take small steps. You've got to be realistic. You're not going to get a six-pack overnight. You're not going to run a marathon in a, in a day or a week. So we need to start small. We need to build up. We need to be consistent. And the other thing that I'd say is vitally important is to find something that you enjoy. As we said in the interview, I like going to the gym. Not everyone does. My brother likes running marathons. I can't think of anything more boring or painful. Mm. If we can find a form of exercise or activity that we enjoy, we're far more likely to do it. If we're more likely to do it, we're more likely to get the benefits. This day and age where things happen quite quickly, if you want it to happen, I remember growing up and saving up $20 a week, whatever it might be, and you eventually then buy the car or you buy the tele- tele- television or whatever. Now it's store credit chuck it on a credit. We are so used to in this world now just to get things really quickly. So one of the most important things in our life is our health, if not the most important thing. Well, why do we have to bloody wait and be patient? And why do we have to go through so much pain? I think that's why a lot of people, they might know about it, they want to work, but that's why so many of us are overweight because it's bloody hard. It can be hard to start with, but it gets easier. It gets easier and it gets more enjoyable. And as uh, again, as Adam said, we need to focus on the process. One of the tricks that people often play on us is those before and after shots. Yes. But what they don't show is all the hard work that goes down in the middle. They don't show the process. The most successful exercise program or diet program is one that goes on for life. It's a lifestyle choice. So anything that we decide to do, if you think I'm only going to do it for six weeks, it's not going to work. I'm only going to do it for 12 weeks. It's not going to work. Everything that I've done over the last few years have been decisions I've made because I know they're the right things to do for my health and well-being. And if they're the right things to do, I'm going to do them forever. If this episode caused any concerns, please contact lifeline.org.au or give them a call, 13 11 14. The Be A Man podcast series is presented by me, Gus Warland, and my great mate, Dr Tim Sharp, produced by the beautiful Liv Proud, and executive producer is Jennifer Goggin. Be A Man is recorded at the studios of Podcast One Australia. For more episodes of Be A Man, head to podcastone.com.au, download the Podcast One app, or look us up on iTunes. And if you like what you hear, please subscribe, rate, and review us.